Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When Sean comes back to Portland, what do you think the first thing he'll want to do is? That's a great question. Um, Barbecue at his house? Oh, you know what he'll want to do? Hmm. He's he's going to get a whole crew and go to Kachka. And yeah, get, he's going to, yeah. He's going to get real drunk on the horseradish vodka. Mm-hmm. And he's going to talk about how nice it is to be back in a country that has movies. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And then, and then you can silence him and tell him that Lake Wobble God is on. Out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed. Call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs. Or Dundamip, then the people versus paper people. Dundamip, then the people versus paper people. Dundamip, then the people versus paper people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host, the moon-faced kid who crashed into the pole, Edwin Janes. And with me as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Comedy is a place where the mind goes to tickle itself. That's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. Our dear friend and co-host Sean Roney is not with us today. Uh, so we, we will be doing a little office mini draft. I guess it's only mini in the fact that it's the two of us. And then we'll be replaying uh, an older episode while we wait for uh, Sean to uh... to be present and ready yes. to do the podcast. We didn't want to um, do a full one without him. Yeah. When when he's on set, when he's when he's really working, it's uh, it's really tough for him to do the podcast. So y'all should be lucky. For this many years, he's been able to pull it off. <laughs> uh, no, no, but he'll he'll be back. So we're 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 covering for him while he gets through. And so we're gonna do a little, uh, just a little mini draft, uh, and that it's just me and Edwin, and doing a draft that Sean would probably love to do, uh, but he ain't here. So uh, we're doing uh, uh, single episode characters. We're gonna give you this little draft and then play something old. We haven't decided yet. This is a great topic, I think, because. Very early in our run, I think we did like a top five list of single episode characters. And it's something that we've kind of referred to from time to time. Um, The way we would tee it up is, speaking of single episode characters, or speaking of very minor characters, you only see a couple of times. So this uh, this made perfect sense for a little draft to kind of talk about some of the fun characters that we don't cover very often, or we only see maybe once or twice. Yeah. They're just... um... There's just little 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 bolts of light throughout this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes they're played by 
their celebrity cameos, which we could probably do a whole separate cameo draft. Uh, and often these single episode characters are not. They're they're longtime working actors or just actors that have had bit parts throughout their career. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what you draft because there's like my list kept getting longer and longer and longer. The more I looked into like, oh, yeah, that person was just in one episode. Um, so I don't know how you want to do this if you want to go, uh, you know. If you want to go, should we alternate or go serpentine? We could just alternate. There's just okay. two of us. I think we just got to figure out. Do you have a coin handy? Do you have something next to you you could flip? No. Nope. Why don't you go first? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want the first pick, but I will take the first pick if we must. Uh, okay. In the again, single episode characters. So I, I went pretty strict. I they they can they can only appear in one episode. That is all. Um, they don't have to have a line, I guess. Uh, mine do not have lines. A few of them. So really, w- one of mine doesn't, and that's why I'm scared you're going to draft them. But I'm, I have to go with I, what, what I see as the top pick on the board, uh, which is from the client, Christian, played by Tim Meadows. Just a just a, an absolutely memorable performance. Fantastic quotes. Some iconic scenes come out of that one. You get the chili song. Uh, Tim Meadows is absolutely fabulous. This is my blood. It's red. Everything about that scene is wonderful. Uh, that You could argue that character is largely responsible for uh, Michael and Jan becoming a thing, which uh, <laughs> bears a lot of fruit over the next few seasons. So, uh, yeah. Like, I, you mean I, the watermelon? <laughs> the watermelon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I, I don't know. T- to me, that that felt like a clear number one to me, but... Every time I think that you come in and you got something else that's like darn it, and I'm pro- you're probably going to draft the person I should have taken. That's the right one now. of the one of the earliest and most memorable cameos in in yeah. the whole show. I think one that at the time Tim Meadows uh, seemed like a big get for The Office just because The Office was still pr- relatively low profile in its run, um, definitely compared to the where it was in the later seasons with much much splashier celebrity cameos and things like that. So. Um, I, and, and like you said, it, it is good that he also like had a f- sort of fundamental role in the show as a big client. And uh, yeah, that's funny. I never thought about it like that. But the catalyst for Michael and Jan, perhaps. Like, yeah, a yeah, different character who didn't click with Michael. Maybe they don't get that sale and none of that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, maybe turn. Jan does not collapse in on herself like a dying star. <laughs> yeah. uh, my first pick... Uh, is from business school and it's the guy sitting in the front that Michael rips up his textbook. Ah, <laughs> uh, Dude, the facial expression he has when he looks back up at him is worth a thousand words. He doesn't say anything. He just no. <laughs> hands him his textbook and then Michael just rips apart his textbook, tells him something that he did not need to rip up his textbook to, to show him. I know these are expensive, but the lesson is priceless. So, um, you know, yeah. he, he would later redeem himself by buying the one kid textbooks in Scott's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he makes up for it in the end. But in the moment, yeah, what a what a what a brutal day for that guy. Just a nice <laughs> gesture, like yeah, here you could use mine. Mm-hmm. The real lesson There's is to not text. not sit in the front row during a guest speakers, yeah. especially if Michael is there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Michael probably views the front row in a guest lecture the way that comedians view the front row in a comedy club where they are consenting to be interacted with um, oh, as part yeah. of the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> this is Michael Anything doing crowd work. Yeah. Yeah. Anything he does is an improv audience. Yeah. Uh, where are you stand, from? Sitting in yeah. front of him. 
So that's my first pick. <laughs> I tried to go. Uh, yeah, well, you're going micro. I'll show micro, you. I'll micro. show you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, well, <laughs> we could draft <laughs> nonverbal characters. I mean, you went with Tim Meadows, and I went with a guy who doesn't have a line. <laughs> well, don't worry. We're gonna we're gonna get this. We're gonna get this car back on the road here uh, with my second pick from Job Fair. Too much formaldehyde. Frank Regan from <laughs> Frank Regan's funeral home. <laughs> not only, not only does he have no lines, he's just got one shot. There's just one shot of this guy, uh, at least one featured shot, and he makes it rain in that one shot. My God, what an imposing, incredible presence! <laughs> he just adds. <laughs> did you just look up a picture? No, just the oh. swift cut. There, yeah. It's so funny. Um, We've talked about him. Uh, I just the whole setup for that is so good, and he's he's <laughs> that's getting micro micro. But again, I'm makes me laugh every time, and I think about that line too much formaldehyde. <laughs> the look on his face is maybe the best cast uh, casting job outside of Steve Carell as Michael Scott they did throughout nine seasons. <laughs> he just has the longest face. It's crazy. You know, actually, he's also in Workaholics. You can see him uh, a little more featured in that show. So he actually does make another appearance in The Office, not as Frank Regan, or maybe he does, but not in a scene. He's seated at a photo of a wedding at Shrewd Farms. Yes, that is true. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I it's fine. That character appears in one episode. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess you do see a, a picture of him later, but uh, mm-hmm. not the actor. So Kind of like, um, well, I don't want to say it because it could be a pick, perhaps, but uh, a great pick. Yeah. All right, your turn. Oh, wait, I should probably write these down. Um, I'm writing yours down as I go. Good. Um, but, Thank yeah, you. Okay. For the, the second pick comes from Double Date, and it's the waitress who pours the glass of water while Michael is talking. <laughs> I'm blown away here. I wasn't expecting this. Mother Nature. It's Mother Nature, and Mother has very strict rules about for... And then he has to wait. Fertility. Wow. That's the, I, wow. I just, I loved, I remember watching that for the first time and just laughing at how funny the interruption is and how natural a real moment from life that could be. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that's, that happened. I do that. That happens. Even if I'm not talking about something sensitive or whatever, I can't, it's so hard for me to talk through anyone coming <laughs> to the table. And some people, some people could do that. No problem. Mm-hmm. They just keep going. Um, I, and I, it's often in TV shows there. Uh, I'm glad you picked that. Cause in, in a lot of dramas, <laughs> they always just talk through it. Like whatever, whatever. Especially happens. if it were my glass being filled, I would wait and then say, thank you. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I would be a, like, I would be such a rude, intrusive server. Cause I would listen very intently to everything that was being said when I came to the table. Cause I would find it very interesting. You have to imagine, too, that the table with all the decorations wouldn't be one where you, if you were serving that table, you wouldn't think that there'd be a very intense conversation going on uh, no. if you were refilling water. But yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, no, wow. no lines, just the, just the, just the quick pour. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm going. I kind of thought I kind of thought this person would be off the board, um, and I'm really honestly picking this. Uh, on Sean Roney's behalf, but vodka guy from Christmas party <laughs> yeah, season yeah. two, uh, the liquor store clerk. Yeah. That ought to do it. Uh, a special place in our hearts on this podcast, <laughs> of course. But, um, again, he, he, 
he make he spins gold out of his two lines. He's got seventeen bottles of vodka or fifteen bottles of vodka. Yeah, that ought to do it. Um, we always love moments with strangers in the wild interacting with Michael Scott, and this is one of the better ones. Um, just someone can't who can't believe what he's seeing in front of him. Or not, he, I'm sure he's rung up an order of that size, but to then have someone <laughs> ask that question is insane. Yeah, I think that's the one who, person who comes to mind first. When I think of these kinds of characters, yeah. it was the first person I wrote down. I also think it was probably the character that we talked about when we initially did this list, however long ago, uh, in our episode run. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is, I think, the signature one-episode character for me. But uh, but I'm glad you picked him. I'm glad that uh, yeah, that he was selected. That, that's for Sean yeah. primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if Sean was here, that would have been his first pick off the board. Okay. Um, okay. For my third pick, so technically this is two people, but I think you'll allow it. Sure. It's the two women who get into the Korean church van. <laughs> <laughs> In broke from season. I thought five. when you first said that, I thought you were going to say the two different. Betty had a Christmas act. Uh, yeah, I thought about that too. But no, I wanted to keep it on theme. Um, sure. Wow. <laughs> the first person who Pam has to say, no, no, it's not for the church. And the second who gets in Jeez. and they just keep driving. Would you, you want to draft some furniture in the background too, Edwin? <laughs> My God. Hey, they're people. They're, they're important characters. They said funny moments. Important. I don't know about important. That's, that's a heavy lifting <laughs> word there. Uh, but they sure do add a lot to the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's it's true that even even their character of getting and sitting in the van uh, is so goes against the grain of what's happening in the scene uh, that they they are very valuable to just pointing out how destitute the Michael Scott Paper Company is that they're using this van. Well, and it shows. I mean, in that episode, at first Pam tells the the first woman that no, no, it's not for the church, and then the second person who enters the van, it's right after they meet with the accountant. Um, and, and the first woman is still in the back, right? No, but she, uh, the second woman, they don't ask to leave. She just gets in the van. They keep driving. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, All right, so yeah. that's pick number three. Get on in. Great pick. Wow. I didn't think the list would be this <laughs> wide open, man. Yeah, you, you got can pretty me all much messed take up. You, you got me all messed up here. <laughs> uh,. I think my fourth pick, I'm going to take Captain Jack. He's right there. Nice. He's a he's first round talent. I'm getting in the fourth round. Um, Rob Riggle, a you know, and long time. He's he's done so many roles like this, and he's having a great time in this one. And and what a roller coaster he goes on in one night. Um, arguably the probably the most eventful night of his uh, career as a as a captain of that ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, not I, honestly, obviously not his Desert Storm days, but. Um. Yeah, he lot goes on. He's doing shots with Roy. He's he's driving the limbo train. He's hooking up with Meredith down in the galley. <laughs> he's handcuffing. He's putting Dwight on a fake wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's handcuffing Michael to the railing. Mm-hmm. He's got oh, yeah. di- he's Michael got guys Brady. jumping out of the boat. I mean, <laughs> what a night for Captain Jack. Uh, you know, inspires Roy to to proposed to Pam for real or set a date at least. Uh, I mean, the, you get his life story. You get, you get a lot out of, out of one character in one he episode right there. Also offers to marry Pam and Roy right there as captain of the ship. It could have gotten wilder. So captain Jack's the party does. captain for sure. Um, yeah. Another, another great cameo from season two. Um, 
Rob Riggle just has such a big stage presence, and he's such a physically like a bigger person compared to Steve Carell. Yep. Um, it was it's really funny to see Michael struggle so much in the presence of Captain Jack. Yeah, you know, always nice to see the uh, you know Daily Show alums coming through after Steve Carell and Ed Helms, and mm-hmm. even Stephen Colbert later on. Yeah, uh, that's true. As as another pick, but uh, I'll leave that right there where it is. So uh, that's my fourth pick, Captain Jack from Booze Cruise. Edwin, your fourth pick. Let me guess, is it's like some blurry, distant background actor? No, this character has a line. This is a uh, Chad Lie from the Scranton Times, Lighter oh, Side of Life. Oh, Lighter Side of Life. Great call. <laughs> he was on the list. Uh, from Product Recall. Um, he was going to be an honorable mention. And Obits. And Obits. <laughs> He's he does there. bring he, a lot of Scranton flavor just to he's that He's the news presence, yeah. Did you get all of that? Every word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a great pick. He, just, he, plays a, he plays a good role, and Dwight, Dwight brings him in, and you've been granted level three security clearance. And then he says, can I get you a beverage? And then right as he speaks up, he just shuts the door and leaves. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, he's a one-person audience for the press conference. He's, mm-hmm. he's crucial to that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't accept the uh, the apology, and he's there to report on it. Yeah, and I love that they do show him furiously scribbling in a little notepad at one point, mm-hmm. where he's, he's like he's really getting a scoop. Mm-hmm. I'm calling the uh, ungrateful biatch hotline. <laughs> yeah, that's the what a quote to to put in your article. You get all that everything. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, got to make sure YouTube comes down to record this. So there's <laughs> yeah, Chad Lai, uh, boy. My last pick, and then a lot of honorable mentions. Um, I'm going to go with... All right, give me the lady from Test the Store, played by Tig Notaro, the mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in appearance, I just I just always enjoy. I, you know, I'm getting something here from season eight, because why not? Um, but I love Tig Notaro. Love the scene. Uh, my friend, friend uses your paper. You do good work. Uh, <laughs> Tiffy's going to college. Andy, yeah, Tiffy's going to college. Um, what is her opening? She's like something about a fancy gentleman with a high pitched <laughs> voice or something. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, I just I love the energy she comes in with. Um, uh, gets a few lines out of it. Uh, uh, not a character we probably would wouldn't have ever made sense to see them again, but for this one, I do love I do love that role. Mm-hmm. I love Tig Notara. I think uh, yeah. one of the one of the best comedians, and um, happy to see her, uh, even in just this quick appearance. Yeah, it's so yeah, tiny, and she—I yeah. mean, she has such a funny delivery. Something about a fancy man <laughs> with a high yeah. visual. It's, yeah, it's it's perfect. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right, for my last pick, right? This is the last pick. Um, Mr. Ramish, the CEO of Prestige who is uh, in Turf War in Season 8, played by Dan Castle and Netta. Um, so when there's someone trying – there, Dwight and Harry Jan are arguing over who's going to make the, the call on Prestige um, in the wake of the branch closing. Oh. And Andy says, is no one seriously going to make a call on Prestige? It's a huge, uh, it's a huge account. Um, and Andy walks in. And he kind of makes this bard, like the sort of dramatic thing. Where he's, uh, the receptionist says, do you have an appointment? He says, I don't. She says, okay, I think I can squeeze you in. And Andy says, seriously, I could just be anyone. I mean, I thought I was going to have to convince you. He's really not that busy. And then he comes out and says, there's someone here to see me. <laughs> yes, this man. 
Um, but played by Dan Castellaneta, who's the voice of Homer Simpson. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, he he's showed up in a whole bunch of he's showed up in so many sitcoms and shows, mm-hmm. and he's great. Mm-hmm. He has a yeah. couple of funny lines too, which is every salesman I've ever met has given me his personal phone number, and then you want me to drive to your house if I need paper. Andy says maybe. Maybe you just want someone to talk to. Maybe you need a place to crash for a couple of days. My wireless password is eat, pray, love. Easy to remember. <laughs> uh, well, good picks. Uh, boy, we left a lot on the board. Let's hear, those, let's hear those picks again, though. Okay, so you went first, and you took the client, uh, Christian, played by Tim Meadows. Uh, my first pick was the guy... In the front row of business school, who, whose textbook Michael destroys. Uh, I should give you your picks first. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, you do you, baby. All right. Your, your second pick was uh, Frank Regan from the Frank Regan Funeral Home. Mm-hmm. Um, your third pick was the vodka guy from, li- from the liquor store yeah, in yep. Christmas Party in season two. Yep, yep. Captain Jack from Booze Cruise. Yep. And Tig Notaro's character um, from season eight. I don't have the episode. Test the store. Test the store. Yeah. Thank you. You said that. Yes. Yep. Um, as I mentioned, I had the guy whose textbook Michael destroys, um, the waitress from Double Date who pours water while Michael is talking, the women who get into the van and broke, um, Chad Lye from the Scranton Times, um, and Mr. Ramish as played by Dan Castellaneta in Turf War. Wow. There we go. I, I tried really hard to... Two sides of the spectrum there, yes. folks. You took the actual obvious memorable picks, and I tried to go with uh, some picks that maybe you we had not thought about in quite a while if at I, all i'm pretty sure sean never listens to our show so we should when he's <laughs> when he comes back we should have him just draft him without telling us and he'll mm-hmm. probably get most of his picks except for the liquor store clerk because mm-hmm. uh, we left a ton on the board uh gordon aka oh, yeah. ben franklin, ben franklin. Mm-hmm. Uh, robert yeah, dunder was going to be my next pick i switched at the last minute i do love uh I do love Robert Dunder's scenes. They're just really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Truck, of course. Uh, Paris who, from The who? Return. You've met Nicole Brown at Staples. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean. That's all I got to say about that. That's all I have to say. I don't like it. Those beady little eyes. Uh, fantastic. Uh, Finger Lakes guy. We didn't. Concierge Marie. Mm-hmm. Concierge Marie. That was another one that I had on the list. Uh, Merv Bronte. Mm-hmm. Ray Romano, <laughs> Ray Romano, and search committee. These are some of the nicest people I've ever met. I know, I know. Uh, Mark Franks, played by Bob Odenkirk, and moving on. Uh, I'm doing as Dylan the, as the yes. Um, what, what if Bob Dylan was your boss? Uh, I also just want to shout out about Bob Odenkirk as Better Call Saul uh, wrapped up this mm-hmm. this past Monday in an absolutely staggering achievement of television. Uh, to close out the Breaking Bad universe. So just a shout out to that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also had Alan. Freedom Fries um, guy. The Freedom Fries. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mainly just so I could play this drop again. People always say, like, don't be edgy. But uh, I don't know any other way. People always say. Uh, yeah, you get it. What? El- yeah, you get it. <laughs> uh, what else you got? Anything else? Yeah, I had uh, all three of the interns. Oh, um, sure. From Gossip. All the characters in the search. So the gas station attendant, um, yeah, the, the waiter at the Chinese st- restaurant, yep. yes, the woman selling the cell phone plan, yep. um, the guy who won't give Michael a hot dog, uh, all, all of them. You could have picked any of them. Um, oh, Carla- Pam, other pa- Pam on oh, the street, other Pam, yes, yeah. 
Um, she's been known to bend the truth. Carla <laughs> Fern, can you juggling crap? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Sensei Billy. Sensei Billy's great. The the uh, the uh, daycare owner. Mm-hmm. I'm oh yeah. perfectly nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I ended. Up, I I went with the the women who get in the van, but I also thought about Ty, the accountant. Uh, oh, who Michael yeah. requests that he crunch those numbers once again. Asian Jim. Mm-hmm. Crunch. Uh, Asian crunch. Jim. Randall Park, of course. Yeah. Um, Another good pick. I mean, there's a lot out. We could we could go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the perfect draft where Finger Lakes guy. Yeah, I think uh, I'm curious to know everyone else's who their yeah. picks would be for this uh, for this kind of a draft. John Grady. There are there are so so many. So it's truly impossible to uh, to summarize them all with just five picks between each of us. And then of course me trying to go pretty obscure with it but uh i thought it was a it's a very fun draft and, th- and these drafts are always just such a fun way to talk about the show a way to chop up the show um and try to think about the show in different ways uh that we haven't seen before yeah agreed mm-hmm. i liked our picks i i am out of time here i gotta i gotta run yep. uh so we're gonna wrap this show up uh yeah uh before we do just also a quick sh- quick plug as always to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Scott. You can join $5 a month. Gets you in the door. Gets you our exclusive uh, monthly mailbag episodes. We've got a whole back library of those. And those are those are a lot of fun. We just hang out, talk, answer your questions. All of our questions we get uh, for submissions. We got some other draft episodes, some old uh, episodes from the archive that we never released. All sorts of extra stuff in there for you. Just sitting there for you. $5 a month. Uh, join us. Uh we also do listener voicemail episodes, so if you'd like to do that, uh, call us. Leave us a message, why don't you? That number is 503-694-9314, 503-694-9314. And if you want to answer, uh, also just ask a question to the show, send us an email, company at gmail.com is the best way to do that. Edwin, take us home. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with us uh, while we chat about minor characters, one-episode characters. Um, it just means a lot that people will listen, support, interact with us, um, and it makes doing the show a joy that we can hang out, have fun, and talk about The Office every single week. So thank you as always. Take care. Stay safe. We'll see you next week, and enjoy this previous episode. Hello, and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and human scarecrow, Sean Roney. Uh, I'm Edwin J. Skeleton Man. And with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Is that a palm tree, or did Gabe get skinnier? Either way, let's pee on it. (laughs) (laughs) Every week, we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. This week... Gabriel Susan Lewis. Uh, Super excited to talk about Gabe this week. We got uh, some listener trivia and uh, a listener provided question for uh, for our conference room. Um, But let's uh, let's dive right into Gabriel Susan Lewis, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. Gabe Wad, a.k.a. GSL, Birdman, Abe Lincoln, and of course, Skeleton Man. (laughs) Abe Lincoln. <laughs> it's so funny they mistake him for Abe Lincoln. He's without the the like the beard, the most iconic thing about Abraham Lincoln outside of the hat. Yeah, 
right? What is that? Just a very a very Lincolnian man. <laughs> a, a large Adam's apple has Gabe. <laughs> uh, yes, I think we're all really excited to talk about Gabe. He is a, a fan favorite. I think it's one a, a, a suggestion that has been given to us a few times uh, to do an episode specifically about Gabe. Um, he definitely stands out as one of the sillier characters on the show, one of the characters with the most funny, crazy moments, um, especially later on in season eight, uh, which is kind of a crazy season. Big time. Um, but no, very excited to unpack his character. He stands out as also as the tallest, which is the cornerstone of his identity uh, at Dunder Mifflin is that he is tall and skinny. <laughs> and most of the jokes are people are laughing at him, not with him. And it's usually because of his physical appearance as... As Dwight says when he's watching Gabe and Kevin talk, it's two extremes of the human physique. He's accomplished a lot career-wise and height-wise. <laughs> he has four core principles to Pilates. One, lengthen. Two, elongate. <laughs> and then Jim cuts him off, and we, we, don't, we don't get to hear three and four, which is a real bummer, because I want to know what they are. <laughs> anyway. Oh, God. Gabe Lewis, played by Zach Woods, who you might know from... HBO's uh, Silicon Valley or Veep. Um, also a great film that I love called In the Loop, uh, he appears mm, in, yeah. um, as well as many other things. Um, Mascots, which was not good, but yeah. he's in it. He's in a bunch of stuff. He's in a, he's in a couple of Lego movies. Um, uh, Zach Woods, if you don't know, is an improv master. He came up at the Upright Citizens Brigade Improv Theater. And he is upright. Very. Mo he's the most upright <laughs> citizen in the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, he was part of a, an improv group called the Stepfathers with Bobby Moynihan <laughs> and Chris Gethard. Oh, oh wow. man. Can I you could imagine? watch. I could watch those three just having fun on stage for a while. Oh, I would love yeah, to. Yeah. A lot of people <laughs> know that Chris Gethard, of course, was in the office. Bobby Moynihan's not in the office ever, is he? I don't think so. I don't believe so. Mm, I was no, just that was one he where he does play. There is an office parody that they did on SNL. It's Lord of the Ring, the Hobbit Office, with Martin yes. Freeman as host, and Bobby Moynihan played uh, Gandalf slash uh, David Brent. <laughs> awesome. He's he's a network colleague, not a not a show colleague. Mm, mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and KB makes three. <laughs> Um, he taught improv at Columbia University and Duke University. Um, I think it was on Office Ladies. I, I heard Ed Helms talking about um, uh, Zach Woods uh, and saying that, uh, you know, everybody on the office was good at improv or thought they were good at improv until Zach Woods showed up. Um, he's. I could see it, man. Yeah. Uh, could you imagine trying not to laugh when... Like he looks at you with a really earnest face and says something <laughs> serious. It would be so difficult. To so keep difficult. We see it in the bloopers. Um, yeah. And like, oh yeah, the the character the character of Gabe. Like, what makes him so funny is he does have that improv element to him. Like they they wrote so well for Zach Woods, and he does such a good job performing it that a lot of his jokes, just like you know, and Gabe makes three. Um, a lot of moments where his head's just sort of poking in and he has, he's just <laughs> saying a comment, right? He's cause he's never, 
he's never brought into the group. He never feels like a friend of everybody's. He's very much kept at arm's length. Everyone keeps him away. So <laughs> yes. what that does is force him to reach his long neck into conversations and just <laughs> add a little point here and there. And it, it never gets old. It always makes me laugh. He inflects so much weirdness with his different lines. And he starts from such a boring, very straightforward, very corporate place. Um, but by his very mm -hmm. last appearance in season nine, he basically just lists off a bunch of ridiculous lines again and again and again and again. And I think, too, oh, yeah. like you said, we can see it in the bloopers, the way he makes the other actors laugh. Um, and I think a lot of that you do see in the in the moments where they give him really comedic uh, lines or um, he's got to carry that in the scene. When we just think of Gabe, what's like the what? What's the story? What's the moment that like do you think about first? Hmm. I think of the bloopers first. Honestly, that's the first thing that I <laughs> yeah. think of. Specifically, when he's in the kitchen uh, with Dwight and they're talking about <laughs> they're talking about protein powder. You cut it with water. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, just that whole scene. If you haven't seen the season eight bloopers, do yourself a favor and just take a minute and watch them because um, they are they are truly ridiculous. It's it's all all the funny moments from season eight. That's what I think of from Gabe. I remember when biceps were all the rage. Dukakis was running for off. Dukakis was running for governor. <laughs> it's an old old joke there. I was telling Sean as we were talking about this episode the other day that there's like a joke construction that I've always wanted to use, but I've never in like everyday life, but I've never had oh, yeah. the opportunity. That's it. Basically, you just have to pick a different governor. Oh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah. When so-and-so was running for yeah. governor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, where do we start, Sean? Well, us, I mean, well, wait, wait, wait. Path. What about you guys? What ah. is the first moment you think of? Oh, right. Hmm. I, I just sort of tend to think about the Glee party, just a viewing party, just because uh, aesthetically it just stands out in my head. There's a lot more textures, colors. It's a, not in the office. Gabe is uh, the master of the house in that episode. And I, I think I just a lot of moments come up from that and his outfit. What He's wearing like that shirt tucked into jeans um, and all of his Japanese stuff. You got your meats, your cheeses, your sausages. I like to think of a part of the world. <laughs> there are so Many well, we'll get to viewing party. I'm sure there are so many toppings on that table. It is crazy. <laughs> anyway, I, I think that if I had to pick a moment uh, that I that I th that most um, represents Gabe for me, maybe it's uh, him going to Toby and announcing his relationship with Val. <laughs> yes. Do you even know her good. last name? No, but I will. <laughs> so she'll be screaming it all night. She'll be, be screaming, screaming her own last name. <laughs> Uh, really quickly, there's, this is my favorite gay moment. I'll get it out of the top right here uh, that I think about a lot, too, which is a very tiny moment. And it's when D'Angelo and Michael are staring at Aaron, trying to make sure she answers the phone their way. And you just see <laughs> Gabe in the background kind of he's just sort of wandered in and he's looking around and he's trying to sort of communicate with Aaron behind the two of them. And he makes this face and he kind of just goes like uh <laughs> And he walks out of frame when they turn and look at him. And there's a face he makes that's like, that is Gabe to me, is that little face. Oh, man. Well, Gabe, Gabe Lewis, only on the show for like two and a half seasons, really. I mean, he, he pops up in season nine um, in the episode Moving On. But he's introduced in season six, episode 15, Saber. 
and uh and he Sabre. <laughs> and uh and i mean is he i mean for for how long he's on the show do, does anyone make that big of an impression with that little of time you know what i mean nelly maybe Ma- maybe i don't know yeah i would florida arc but uh i mean i don't know he's yeah go ahead he reminds me of nate basically that it's a character who's introduced and mm. the density is a little bit closer together. We see a lot more of Gabe over two seasons versus Nate, who we see very sporadically. But it, it has a similar presence in that he just delivers really funny lines and really silly lines and that otherwise he's very he's very functional in, early on in his office tenure But and as the voice of corporate. Um, but that's the – especially as a later season addition, that's who it feels the most similar to, although he's much more of a everyday face than Nate is. It was an interesting choice by the writers, and it's it's smart that they added him when they were acquired by Saber. I mean, that's it's a natural reason you'd all, all of a sudden have another body in the office as, oh, there's a new corporate overlord to this company, and they're going to be, we have these corporate liaisons who are going to be at the branches. And so it's a good reason <laughs> to add one more person to the cast. And, you know, Steve Carell's leaving, you need new blood coming in. Um, I thought they handled it pretty well, and as as young and tall as Gabe is, he's believable that he would have this job as this, you know, corporate liaison in that episode, Saber, uh, a box precedes his arrival, a box of all, all of his things. And that's, <laughs> that's right. That's pretty much what Gabe is. He's just a corporate box that shows up and you unpack it and you set it in the office and occasionally you need it. Just a corporate stooge. Yeah. The way that, yeah. um, the way that he's introduced is interesting. Cause I mean, it, it's, and Edwin and I were talking about this last night. He, he just keeps getting sillier as he's, a, the longer he's around. But when he first shows up, he is the corporate, uh, representative and, um, he plays the part for, for a while. Um, uh, until maybe, um, you know, we finally meet uh, Joe Bennett um, and uh, and she she arrives at the office and, you know, we kind of learn maybe that Gabe's like power up this company is 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 not as much as we first thought. You know, he just is taking care of the dogs and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm happy to have people believing that he has that power, though. Right. I mean, just for a second, while we're on the subject, I, maybe we should talk about Gabe and corporate and how when he arrives, he's kind of representing this big corporation taking over Dunner Mifflin. But I just love all the ways that they show us how he has no power at, at Sabre. Um, certainly, uh, certainly one of the first things is the caption contest. Yes. Uh, and he, he recognizes right away that uh, people are making fun of corporate and he tries to jump in and make a difference. Uh, but then, of course, we catch him on the phone with HR later, um, learning himself that he has no power to reprimand anyone there. It happens, too, when uh, Jim and Pam – well, there's the, uh, the the video that Oscar makes of Cookie Monster. Um, and Gabe decides that this will be the moment to step in and show his authority. Uh, so – he same sort of thing. He goes to Toby, uh, or he goes to corporate, and he can ask them to come into work, ask them to not come in, but he can't suspend their pay. And then Toby tells Pam the same thing. Uh, so <laughs> at that moment, he's really guys. I would even take a contrite look 
as an apology. <laughs> While Dwight gets up and he says, please, this is how you apologize. Gabriel, I express my sincerest apologies. He gets down on a knee and like takes his hand. Yeah. Um, there's, I think, well, the other big one is, of course, Pam and her office administrator job. That's one right. of the first hurdles that Gabe is tasked with is like rooting out, hey, wait, is Pam actually what she says she is? He has no paperwork. He has no proof that she has the position she claims she does. Uh, and it's a great way. It's 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 a very good plot device to have Gabe exploring his own powers, like you say, of what can he actually do? And it gets to the point where he's able to like, hey, you can report Pam. At His stage is basically a mall cop. He's just like, I can blow a whistle and report you and call the cops. <laughs> and uh, his character is very defined when in that moment, Pam realizes, oh, He's the totally ineffectual fall guy here. He's not going to, he's a total pushover. And she presses him and he falls right down. And all he wants is one of those little nameplates. And uh, <laughs> once he gets that, he's fine. I would say that at another point, he also kind of wants almond butter or apricot preserves. And then we get, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah. we get a really funny scene of him eating toast. Just the way that he holds the toast is so funny. Um, I do think too, as far as Gabe <laughs> corporate is concerned, he's uh, he's very much the the bridge between Michael and Joe early on, and and uh, right. Kathy Bates' character is so uh, forceful, um, and she's not in every episode. So Gabe is kind of that bridge. There's that St. Patrick's Day episode where Michael's trying to get everyone to leave, or wants he wants to leave, and Joe just stays, and Gabe just says, "Oh, you never know with Joe." So mm-hmm. there's there's an element of a bridge there, and I think too like. At that time in the office, at the end of season six, the the tone of the show is so crazy and silly. I, like rewatching those episodes, I was kind of surprised at how silly it is. In part because Michael doesn't have the same sort of corporate person looking over his shoulder the way that Jan and David Wallace kind of did. It's a little bit looser and saber. They don't really know what's going on. There's, uh, I love Joe's exasperation. Um, (laughs) listen, I don't care which one of you does the job. Just stop meeting with me to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, There's another one in the end of season seven during the search committee episodes when Joe shows up and she says, welcome to Scranton, Joe land of a thousand problems that only you can fix. Uh, (laughs) So it's funny that Gabe is just kind of caught in the middle of that. He, you know, there's a moment where Joe is speaking to Michael and Gabe's crotch. Uh, there's a moment when Gabe is on the phone, um, with Joe trying to express Michael's concerns about all the changes and she realizes that there's another person in the room. Um, it's, it's just a, Gabe is just kind of the stand in for corporate and he's so mild, uh, that he feels very corporate. It's true. Like he's really mild when he shows up. I, I, I guess another, like maybe the peak of, um, uh, you know, uh, the absurdity of Gabe's role at, um, at Saber is uh, when Dwight actually visits Tallahassee and sees that Gabe's desk or office is in the lobby of <laughs> like, he is basically across the lobby from the receptionist. Um, we used to, I, Edwin and I used to live together in college and we lived at a house and I moved <laughs> into that house and was told I had a bedroom there. When I showed up to the house, what it was, was, my bedroom was kind of off the side of a landing area between the <laughs> stairs, and I put up a curtain as my door. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much kind of what Gabe had going on. He's just, he's just sort of in a landing area. Big time. It was a, and he, 
Alex okay. didn't live with us for very long. <laughs> Needless to say, <laughs> no, he found a new no. situation pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Got on Craigslist and was like, yeah. "I'll take anything." And anything I'm out with a, anything with a door I can close would be great. <laughs> That's kind of like when Macalotti lived near our furnace in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, the story anyway. for another time. Uh, uh, so I mean, in, in that to, same oh, scene, yeah. though, we get Gabe, you know, admitting that he is is the toilet of of Saber. And Bill has him toilet a lot of people. <laughs> you could have gone with garbage disposal, eraser, or incinerator, but you went with toilet. God bless you. You're an American classic. <laughs> I do think, too, that uh, Gabe is so – is so uh, he's just a device at the whim of corporate throughout his entire tenure. Um, even in that moment, he says uh, – Scranton says, Gabe, we need you in Florida. Um, and, and Florida says, Gabe, we need you in Scranton. So – Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm down here. Tuesday, Thursday, I'm up there. What better way to get over my crippling fear of flying? <laughs> that it's just <laughs> the, that schedule is so funny that no one cares that he's doing that and he doesn't. That's, that's just insane. That is the the other thing about Gabe that's so funny. It's just like no one cares. No one cares about his problems, and he Mm-mm. deeply cares when someone shows any amount of respect to him it's like it's like a little bit of water to a thirsty man he's just like like uh uh what's i'm forgetting who goes to him and he's like thanks There's for recognizing a, oh, it's, it's it's so dwight that's gabe right, says right. he says how do i become a manager at saber and gabe says well first of all thank you for coming to me if you call directly to corporate that they would have just rooted you back to me says, i left a message with corporate <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. yeah he's like it's cool it's cool that you recognize my role here <laughs> yes that's right he's like i already left a message at corporate he's like ah there you go he's he's just he's a human he's human red tape we see this in wolf.com especially when jim is hey saying hey when there's a cap on my commissions. And once I hit that cap, there's no longer any incentive for me to sell and to work. And Gabe is the one who has to be like, yeah, well, we, we hope you'll, you know, continue your job in a professional manner regardless. And then Jim spends, you know, makes the fake audiobook. book. Uh, Sit down, you gay bastard. And uh, <laughs> Gabe just takes it, goes with it. <laughs> with, <Yeah. laughs> Joe just reading on the phone and he just sits there taking notes. <laughs> I do love when, yeah. when Jim tries to be like, Hey, I'm heading out. And Gabe's like, like <laughs> he's like super stressed out. <laughs> There's uh I think that's that episode two is a perfect example of where Gabe so Gabe obviously goes from being very boring and very corporate to being totally crazy, delivering ridiculous lines at every moment. And like that episode that you mentioned is a perfect example of that where he just gets he he delivers the corporate policy where he, he says, It's really about the money, Jim. Didn't you meet your wife here and fall in love? And he, com- he compares it to, <laughs> he, I wish my gym didn't allow nudity. So I have to look down, keep a low profile. <laughs> Think of your commission cap as a naked old man in a gym locker room. <laughs> <laughs> that, he's just so, uh, we, we just, yeah, like you said earlier, we just slowly uncover bits of Gabe's personality. Um, just little comments he says it's actually very similar in silicon valley the character is very similar Mm -hmm. uh his character jared in that show where we just slowly learn things about him uh over the course of time that you just go who is this odd odd looking and just overall strange man (laughs) um and by the time we get to viewing party when we actually go into his house uh, we see his hobbies we see his 
synthesizer, his yes. his collection of Japanese things, but his, then he had Chinese herbs. Yes, uh, his love that, of, that's of when, soundscapes and Asia. Making, <laughs> I don't think you can do that. Uh, when Jim says that, the way he Gabe kind of looks down at the at the synthesizer after he's like, I, I didn't even know you could do that. Take, he's like, Imagine one instance of his song expanded the whole to the, be the size of the universe. Yeah. Number one, lengthen. <laughs> Number two, elongate. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and so viewing parties like when they really have to make some decisions about okay, what's what exactly is Gabe into, and who exactly is he? Because we're going into his house. A Gabe looking dude is really height, into though. Asian stuff, or a you looking dude yeah. is really into sweaters. <laughs> As Daryl says to Andy, and, and, and I would clearly... blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Can we acknowledge think... that Daryl is just yeah. standing in in Gabe's bedroom with a shot for Andy when he walks in there? Take <laughs> yeah. a shot with me. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how expensive places are in. Scranton, but I, it seems like he's being Gabe's paid pretty well mm-hmm. based on his house and just generally what what he's got going on. Yeah, yeah a couple bedrooms. It yeah, be, for a, if he's like a, only there a couple like a days condo a week. Or a... <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is for Tuesdays and Thursdays, mind you. Granted, <laughs> he gives that later. That happens a little later in the show, but we yeah. like to yeah. we like to assume that he's only there a couple days a week in that apartment. Um, He's got an extra bedroom that Michael can go sit and watch TV in, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, that's that's pretty that's a, that's a sizable apartment. Nice he's, got, he's got all that extra space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where to next? Where to next? I mean, <laughs> him and Aaron, are we going to sure yes, we'll do an episode? I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was trying. I might try to thought totally dropped out for a second. But when I was <laughs> talking to Sean and in, in trying to come up with how we wanted the how like the progression of this, I told John that I was much more interested in uh, the evo- evolution of Gabe as a straightforward or straight laced character to a very funny character or a very silly character. Um, and I was less uh, interested in his relationship with Aaron. It just didn't seem as interesting, yeah. but the truth is you can't get around it. That's such a big feature of Gabe, pre- Gabe's presence in the series. And I actually think that he actually doesn't really get sort of unleashed until Aaron breaks up with him at Michael's last Dundies. Um, we see just uh, Gabe is very, very uh, constrained and sort of mild and normal until that happens outside of a couple moments mm-hmm. of, uh, of, uh, of weirdness that, that, that flows in um, mm-hmm. because he's really just kind of a foil or um, the, the roadblock between Andy and Aaron. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. Aaron and I are still dating. Why do you ask me that so often? <laughs> <laughs> you said you didn't like sex. It's like being tackled by a skeleton. Yeah. Well, and even when that happens, uh, Gabe like corners Andy and starts acting weird. Like, you don't want to get on my yeah. hands. Tied. I've seen some horrible things. I own over 200 R movies. Okay, that's so weird. <laughs> Close in the bathroom. Yeah, there Walk you go. Away, bitch. Um, yeah, yeah, bitch. right, and then right he does up that there. Too, and he corners Aaron in the bathroom, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. He, he says, someday our grandkids <laughs> so will. Weird. We'll hear the story of how I won you back in a lady's room. Just read the letter under your windshield. It explains everything. Or the under your windshield wipers. It explains everything. <laughs> and then he leans in for a kiss. Yeah, God, okay, so well, bad. Yeah, he's a very awkward man. Uh, but I think I think that's a good way of putting it, Edwin, that he's sort of unleashed after that. And I've been looking at this. I mean, because they start dating, but we're led to believe they start dating between season six and seven. Yeah. Yes. 
that's like 20 episodes that they're dating. That's quite a while. That's, that's, um, that's a good chunk of a season there mm-hmm. that they're together. And, you know, right. together is not, maybe not the operative word here, but, uh, once it, the, the whole, th- it's like, you're right. Gabe is there just to give Andy someone to fight against much like he's sort of just has the job in the office for people to complain to him. So other people don't have to hear about it. Like he's, he's just a, he's a roadblock. That's what he is in mm. life. Very sad. There is a really funny, ex- I mean, there's a lot of funny exchanges between Gabe, Andy and Aaron, but it's a, uh, that there's a moment when Gabe walks into the break room and Andy and Aaron are just joking around. He says, Hey Andy, you remember our conversation earlier where uh, you said you never want to date Aaron again? He says, yeah, Gabe, I remember that. Cause you were crying. And then Andy does this weird back and forth where he's like, do I feel that way now? Yes or no. And he keeps going back and forth. That is between me and my diary. (laughs) I I love this part too. I mean, of like when, first of all, you get Aaron breaking up with Gabe uh, at, uh, at the Dundies at Goodbye Michael. I love that Gabe feels like he needs to take the stage after that. Says, obviously, I'm very angry with Aaron. <laughs> it's, so, <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, search committee when... Well, it just strikes me as really funny that Gabe would have kind of gotten away with his... Um, his creepiness towards Aaron and, and Andy, if he hadn't totally insulted Kelly during her interview, right? He says, he says, come on, are we, is it, are we really taking this seriously? Okay. Um, what are some of your weaknesses? (laughs) I don't have any asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, but because he disses Kelly, Kelly, is the one who spills the beans to Joe about uh, Gabe being super creepy and dating the receptionist. And that's when Joe says, Oh, Joe, welcome to Scranton world of a thousand problems. Only you can solve. I do love too in that moment when Kelly knocks and she says, Joe, if I could have a word in private and then Gabe gets up and she says, don't worry, it's not about you. And then as soon as the door closes, I love it. she says, it's about Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then uh, when, uh, Joe, they're talking about Andy and uh, to Joe, the search committee. And they said, what about this guy? He went to Cornell. And Gabe says, sales ability? Zero. Integrity? See, sales ability. Uh, And then Joe (laughs) says, you got too close to these people, Gabe. We'll need to find something new for you in Florida. Um, Which, watching that, it feels like they kind of write Gabe off a little bit. Um, which is kind of surprising because he just kind of bounces back in quite randomly in season eight. But then Joe says, get Kelly in here to replace Gabe. Why? Well, he's tall and weak. She's short and strong. I'm doing an opposites thing. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And then she tries to just do uh, like hug him goodbye (laughs) just to uh, make sure that she's not to blame, but she can't even do it. (laughs) Oh yeah. You're you're bonier than I imagined. Hey, there are a lot of women who love touching me. I've been with, or I'm a very good hugger. There's some women that's what I've been with. That's all. They, that's all they want to do. <laughs> uh, and then I think uh, no one is a bigger oh, yeah. fan of sexual touching than me. So <laughs> you two are treated a level of conflict. <laughs> I could think of three explanations. One, you're taking MDMA. Street name, ecstasy. I've done it. I know the feeling. 
Oh, gosh. Number two, you're trying to cram an entire relationship in before Holly has to go back to Nashua. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and three, you're at an advanced age where your organs are no longer. Yeah. aren't as powerful. <laughs> that so you need one. to compensate with foreplay. Taboo behavior. That one. The third one. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I, I, love, I, I love creepy Gabe. Um, yeah, he's good as a he, creep. I love creepy Gabe. I love creepy Gabe towards Val. It's so weird. And I mean, that's when I feel like that's when Gabe really like is showing his colors. <laughs> I love when he's down in the warehouse trying to interrupt uh, Daryl's um, safety presentation because uh, he thinks that Val loves a good put down. Um mm. And so he's like holding up the belt. This is actually, maybe I'll change my Gabe moment to this, where he's holding the <laughs> lifting belt and going, look, it's like a hula hoop. <laughs> Melekalikimaka is Hawaii's way. <laughs> it's, so it's so creepy the way he says that. I'm going to be milking that hard. <laughs> Your card is more beautiful than the gloves. <laughs> 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 Happy birthday to Gabe. Oh, get out, skeleton man. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Walks in with a single cupcake. He, has a, he just peeks his head with a little cupcake. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, uh, but see, here it is. It's like his physicality is what we end up talking about. And like I brought it up before, too. And I think the best, the best physical comedy moments in the whole show is when Gabe goes into the pool and pool party with his pants around his ankles. I just sort of trips and fall. <laughs> <laughs> follow in, follow Robert California. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's Gabe's greatest gift to the show is it's just it's the physical humor and humor about physicality. <laughs> <laughs> what happens with this character though? Cause like after he breaks up, like you said, he's sort of just, he's another single guy in the office, uh, spinning out of control. And I don't, it never really is resolved in any way. No, they just, so they keep him around. They it, ostensibly they write him off at the end of season seven. They all say goodbye to him, and Pam says, "I'm sorry we didn't get you a cake." And then in season um, eight, episode one, the list, he's there, but only kind of in the background. He's one of the losers. And Andy says right. uh, when he goes in to fight for everyone, you know, he fights for Stanley and Meredith. Mm -hmm. <laughs> says, and just to show that I'm uh, being honest with you, you had Gabe in the loser column. I think that is an astute observation. That's uh, great. <laughs> and he did. Gabe there, deserved that. Gabe deserved that. <laughs> all of Gabe's uh, moments or, or inclusions in different episodes is kind of random. He's a corporate. He's a corporate back and forth figure. He doesn't really have a defined role in the office. He his goal seems to be to just kind of suck up to Robert, kind of similar in the way that he does to Joe. But Joe he. Robert doesn't have the same needs around his dogs and his luggage that Gabe often carries for Joe. Um, so he's just kind of around and allowed to be really silly until the end of season eight when Sabre goes away. Yeah. And, and, and at all that time at no point is anyone in the office appear to be friendly with Gabe or st stands up for Gabe. It's rare that he has any genuine moment with another character. That's, that's like heartwarming at all. Uh, one of the one of the few characters who really doesn't doesn't have anything like that. They, they yeah, they really do. They practically treat him like Nick, the IT guy. The only thing I can think about is when he's you know dressed as Gaga during the costume contest, and people are cheering for him. <laughs> Another fantastic game moment. 
I think this is part of the reason why Gabe is so funny, is he's so disconnected and allows you to just kind of be an accessory character of the ensemble. Uh, I, can, I made the comparison to Nate earlier, but the same thing around Nate. We're not super in- invested in Nate. Yeah, it's true. Um, and outside of, you know, hoping he doesn't die when he goes after the beehive uh, <laughs> with the baseball bat. Um, but he just comes in for funny moments, and it, he doesn't need to be really included outside of in season seven when um he is dating Aaron. I do think it's funny to think of Gabe's relationship with Michael because Michael is so openly kind of disdainful of Gabe and whether or not people think Gabe is the boss. Um right. Uh, I'm Gabe. Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, and uh Chow. Yeah. 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 It's like as I'm actually Chow. instead it's making fun of Gabe becomes a salve for other characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's only funny because Michael is so disdainful of Gabe, but he never feels that way about Jan or Ryan or David Wallace, really. He never has the same sort of re- relationship with them. Um, I do Except love. Toby. That's true. But uh, Toby, I mean, Toby comes from the HR side, not necessarily like the corporate looking over Michael's shoulder kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love in the Goodbye Michael episode when uh, Michael starts tripling up. And he has uh, Creed, Gabe, and Meredith all in the all in his office. And he says, "Now, whether you're scared of dying, dying alone, or dying drunk in a ditch, <laughs> <laughs> respectively, to each of them." And then Gabe stays by, stays behind, um, and he says, "I think he says I'm either going to quit today or I'm going to make sure that Andy's career is ruined." And Michael just says, "Don't quit today." And a little bit of advice, a little makeup on that Adam's apple. <laughs> yeah. <it does. laughs> <laughs> oh my god but i think you game <laughs> there we go but i think all of my favorite game moments or the large majority at the very least um come in season eight when he's just allowed to be really funny and silly and strange throughout the whole thing he i love when um i mean we know about his uh his love for horror movies but when aaron approaches him and spooked and asks he says, uh, uh, do you remember when you took me to that haunted house and I started crying immediately and kept crying the whole time? Can you help me make this party a little um, – can you help me with this party? And he says, I will make – it's like scary and sexy. And Gabe says, I will make this sexier than any you could have possibly imagined. <laughs> well, not that. Just the, just the scary. And he just starts laughing to himself. <laughs> like well, there are moments – yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of moments where he either laughs to himself. No, 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 no. You yeah. thought you think you invented Telenasty? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> that part, yeah. <laughs> you think she invented Telenasty? No, 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 no. Oh God! I, uh, another great one. <laughs> so well. <laughs> That's just one of my favorite lines. Can you repeat repeat that drop? Yeah. I barely heard it. I know how to use chopsticks so well. There you go. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Also, uh, near the end of season eight, turf war. Did someone say mm. girl talk? Sometimes he says. Did someone say girl talk? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna drop that later. Nice. Sometimes, Sometimes I, wonder I wonder if I have if ovaries I have in my scrotum. In my scrotum. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. <laughs> and then in stink, baby. He's asking them about Korean soap operas, and Nelly goes. Do you think I'd like that? Or is it important to have an Asian fetish? Gabe goes, uh, <laughs> I think you're going to need to have an Asian fetish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll be upsetting if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ah, what a creep. 
GSL. <laughs> I that's another moment where in Florida, in um, I believe the episode's after hours when Dwight gets pulled away for bed bugs. He says, "Hey, freak, get over here!" To Gabe, <laughs> he's like, "You got to help me make sure that uh, Packer doesn't sleep with Nelly." What's in it for GSL? <laughs> yeah, there we you go. Want Packer as your boss. They don't make uh, these cords in boot cut anymore. Yeah. Gabriel Susan Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, then, that's that's a great bit of physical comedy. The way that he sprays that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Just from an inhaler. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then the way that Packer just dances over to him and throws up in his lap. <laughs> what a sad man, dude. He's just a punching bag. Like uh, and a creep that even has that roofy stuff, just like ready to go. Uh <laughs> <laughs> or not roofy stuff, but like, you know, he has that to to put in Todd's drink. It yeah. just makes well, you know what? It might just be a lung capacity thing. As he says later to Aaron, Aaron says, We could all be gym teachers, talking about Pete. Gabe says, Well, I technically can't. I don't have the lung capacity to blow a whistle. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Anything else about what? Gabe that we need to talk about? Other favorite Gabe moments? Yeah. I mean, I- I think we should just look at Gabe in season nine moving on, which is just a, a showcase for Zach Woods and for Gabe. Yes. When Andy finds out that uh, Pete and Aaron are dating, he brings in their exes uh, back to the office. And it begins with uh, Alice coming in and Aaron has that realization. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. And she runs back through the break room and Creed says, hey, look, the Birdman's back. <laughs> and there's a change re- didn't you guys used to do it in Gabe's Hello, says, beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yes, thank you for remembering that. <laughs> but just Gabe, they put Gabe in sitting on the couch by reception with the tiniest little cart. And he says, uh, you know, after I was heartbroken over you, I lost 50 pounds. But as you can tell, I put that weight right back on. He says, touch my buttocks. And he gets up. You guys feel how fat my buttocks are. It's like a warm pumpkin. <laughs> and then when they sit in that conference room, Gabe is just completely unleashed. I mean, all the things he says about not having the lung capacity uh, to blow a whistle. Um, he talks about using his chopsticks so well. Um, yeah. And then he's making fun of Pete. He's basically shoveling sashimi, in, sashimi into his mouth. Um, or what about this? Andy, we'll get to that. Gabe, did Aaron ever tell you she loves you? Gabe laughs. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. She wouldn't even let me say it. It was adorable. She would plug her ears and scream her heart out. Oh, my God. And then Aaron says, Gabe, can you stop talking? Because every word out of your mouth is like the squawk of an ugly pelican. <laughs> I got a tattoo for you. I didn't Nobody ask you to get that, you to Nike, get that Nike swish. Nike swish. <laughs> <laughs> or I like music, or, you and two feet. I uh, like all kinds of music. Really? All kinds? You like the songs of hate written by the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan? <laughs> Aaron, are you hearing this? <laughs> and then... <laughs> Aaron, I've been to Japan. I know how to use chopsticks so well. Come back one night. Give me one night with you. What is that supposed to mean? I have shaved everything. I don't want you to shave yeah. everything. I'm, I'm smooth as a porpoise. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah, I banged her. <laughs> like that episode is so perfect because that – think about where – it begins with Gabe coming in as this no-name figure with a box of office supplies coming in. And then when his last appearance in the show is greeted with, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. And then Gabe is just a cannon for ridiculous lions. Yeah. you know They literally so applaud good. him when he first shows up. And he mm-hmm. walks in. And he goes, thank you. And, and also you. White brings him a <laughs> yeah, tray of hot dogs right. and then just sets them down <laughs> on the carpet. Hot dog from Hot Dog. Or from yeah. Scranton. Yeah. 
And uh, once they figure out who he is, no one cares about him. And that's how Gabe ends in the show is no one cares about him. Yeah. No beauty and ordinary things for GSL. <laughs> he he vanishes as mysteriously as he arrived. <laughs> and it's gone. In the Gettysburg episode, when they're just getting off the bus, he says, fun fact, in France, Limitless is called the man with many capabilities. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> There's... Another one where he's like leading a meeting uh, at the front, and, and Kelly says, "Oh, kill me!" And uh, Andy says, "Okay, listen, we obviously we all want to die, but we have to get through this." And uh, Gabe's like, "Really? Can we get through this? Because I'm your boss. You work for me." <laughs> there are like those weird little moments where he uh, asserts his authority. Walk Tiny away, bitch. Flex. <laughs> yeah. I love Gabe talking to Aaron again, trying to like win her over, and he's like, "Aaron, I'm in love with you." I don't believe in much, okay? I don't believe in horoscopes. I don't believe in Christmas. Uh, I, I sure as hell don't believe in God. And Aaron's like, shocked. What? Or maybe there's a God. I don't know. I mean, it's just not a guy with a long white beard. <laughs> and of course, she's shocked again. Or it could be. I mean, it's possible that that's exactly what, what God is. <laughs> and Aaron's like, yeah, nodding. I love it. Well, <sighs> and then there's that scavenger hunt. Where uh, just to highlight another physical comedy moment from Zach Woods, where Andy and Aaron are basically going through the scavenger hunt together, and then at the end, it's his Valentine's kiss, and it's it, and then uh, Andy can see out the break room window or the conference room, or yeah, yeah, the break room window, mm-hmm. and just sees Gabe standing out there, and Aaron turns around, and the way that Gabe blows a kiss to her is just so awkward and horrifying. Just <laughs> it's like <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah, oh, like yeah. a weird <laughs> cough that he's releasing Ugh. towards her. Very strange. Mm. <laughs> Poor Gabe. It's like a kiss from an ugly pelican. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, you get you get a lot of two. Sorry, we get a lot of two word insults for Gabe. Skeleton man, ugly pumpkin, or uh, ugly ugly Gabe pelican, bastard. warm pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Gabe Lewis. Well, fellas, in case you can't read my my my, my poker face. <laughs> I think it's time we move on to some trivia. Or, uh, sorry, conference room. Five minutes. Everyone, conference room now. Robert California conference call? That's oh, good. Nice. Found another one. There's always nice. another one. Uh, okay, so this week's conference room uh, comes courtesy of Chelsea on Instagram. Uh, shout out to Chelsea. She interacts with us a lot. Um, she sent us just uh, this post. Um, it's writings from a stoic. And the quote, it's just a quote that says, Wealth is the slave of the, fi- of the wise, the master of the fool. Mm-hmm. Wealth is a slave uh, of the wise. From who? Uh, from Seneca the Younger. Mm. Okay. Um, Love it's from. <laughs> yeah. I like their uh, applesauce. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Seneca. All right. Okay. <laughs> Wealth is the slave of the wise, the master of the fool. Um, mm. And it's funny because hearing that quote, it has nothing to do with the office, but it's very easy to think of Vikram. Ah, yes, of course. Yeah. The food of the wise man, but the liquor of the fool. Yep. Um, So this begs the question, it's just a fun discussion topic. What things that are completely unrelated to the office make you think of the office every time? Hmm. So one I came up with, uh, and maybe I'll come up with some better ones while we're talking about this, but the phrase cut off her nose to spider face, um, (laughs) which is brought up in Crime Aid. as oh, sorry, uh, during the roast, as something that Michael Scott once said, 
because he says spider face mm-hmm. instead of spite her face. But I always think of the office because I still don't know what this means. Do you, Edwin, do you, do you guys know what that, this phrase means? Cut off her nose to spite her face. It's like, a, it's like you're hurting yourself. It's like that. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, like in in trying to prove a point, you you damage yourself. Yeah. And like maybe you proved yourself right, but now you don't have a nose. It's like, see, I told you I could I could do this, and then you get hurt. And- well, right. to, to quote Michael, let's learn what we can by reading. Um, hurt oneself in the course of trying to hurt another. <laughs> yeah. Needlessly yeah. self-destructive overreaction to a problem. Mm. Ah. Don't cut off your nose to spite your face. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Clearly, people have used this in reference to my things Michael has done. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have Did you have one, Alex? Yeah, I jotted I jotted a, a couple down. One, uh, the entirety of Newsweek magazine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, like you just don't hear about Newsweek much anymore. I I don't see their magazines around. You just they're not a news source for me in any way. So they they just never come across me so that the rare times i ever do see newsweek and i say this because i went to the dentist today uh and it made me think of this like anytime i hear or see newsweek i just think about michael holding up the china newsweek magazine <laughs> that's it just makes me think oh michael reads newsweek uh-huh. Uh-huh. um and this is a super weird one but when like people take take a, a drink of coffee or a hot beverage like the first one of the day and it's like ah <sighs> That first sigh after a cup of coffee, <laughs> first sip of coffee. Every time I hear that, I think about Jim doing the prank where Dwight's drinking coffee with his feet. And he just goes like, ah, thank you, Thumbs. Nothing in the universe can do what you do. <laughs> yeah. Just stuck in my head. Can't get it out. And now whenever people make that sigh. <laughs> I guess like, I guess in a weird way, maybe this is kind of like we've talked about like, um, audible earworms before mm-hmm. on this show like i can't i it's it's hard to say why exactly but astrid saying what did i learn <laughs> well pops into my head all the time and i i don't know if it's just like when people say things when when people like ask a question in that with that inflection but i hear it Immediately. <laughs> you might learn shapes or blocks or clocks or colors, or you might have learned that we're all sisters and brothers. Nice. Thanks. Nice. It was, was Edwin, you got anything? Yeah. Uh, this is also a weird one. And Alex, you can cut it out if you don't want this uh, out there. I believe the oh. license plate of your car has JLP in it. That is correct. I jilp you. Yeah. Yeah. JLP, I jilp you. I think wow. about every time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for transmitting that disease to me for the rest wow. of my time I have this car. <laughs> oh, man. I jilp you. I think, yeah. I, That's funny. <laughs> so my car, my license yeah. plate. This okay. was, a, I mean, it was a while ago. When we were still recording at your old house, but like, yeah. I remember you got the car. I remember seeing it on the street when I was walking up. JLP, I jilp you. Great. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna. What else? What else you got? Um, the music of Billy Joel. <laughs> yes. Yep. And and Just even all less, of his music. <laughs> well, even less. We. Um, Ryan started the fire, but even more. You may be right. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in a jokey way where you're going to start singing. Uh, here's a quick speed round. I'll do, I have three quick ones here. Do it. Yeah. Whenever do it to people, it. whenever people talk about lizard people, you know, like running the world, mm-hmm. that whole. Oh, uh, reptilians. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about Bob Casamacus. I, I just can't oh. hear lizard people without thinking of Robert California anymore. Mm-hmm. The whole, the, the song swing, King. the song, sweet, low, swing, low, sweet chariot. Can't <laughs> hear that anymore. And then, uh, the last one's weird too, which is. Whenever I throw food, like the first time I throw food or something into an empty trash can and like it's it's an empty bag, the the, the visceral <laughs> feeling of that and the sound of it hitting an empty trash bag is when, when D'Angelo throws like two handfuls of cake in right after each other. <laughs> he's like, no, you deserve this. And he eats it. What am I doing? And he throws it in there. That sound. I don't know that 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 empty trash bag uh, is the I thought you were thing. going to reference when uh the the new leads episode when uh, oh. Aaron what what did you do with the trash can I took it out it had Toby's baba ganoush and then <laughs> and then Dwight look, look, he's like clean sack yeah. yeah he licks it he puts <laughs> it in his mouth I feel like a lot there's a lot of scenes throughout the show where they throw something into an empty trash can which is mm-hmm. like it's on set like the trash cans are usually probably all empty uh, so it happens a lot and it mm-hmm. well then why have I been separating the trash into whites and colors <laughs> eight years. <laughs> Uh, is that we, it? Yeah, let's let's move let's move let's on. Let's do it. Let's move on to some trivia. Thank you, thank you, Chelsea, for that. Thanks, Chelsea. Yes. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. This week's trivia sent to us by Haley. This trivia is titled "Tan Everywhere, Jan Everywhere." Teehee. Okay. This is Jan Levinson Gould trivia. Jan Levinson All right. trivia. All right, here we go. No Gould. <laughs> uh, season, to the go-go. season three episode three the coup what two stores does dwight tell jan to go to and what items does he tell her to buy uh liz claiborne and for for, Ann Ann for a blouse yeah and ann taylor and what for is earrings. yes that's correct season four episode eight the deposition what three reasons does Jan give for being glad about having left Dunder Mifflin? Um, she gets to spend more time with Michael or with her sister. She says, There's, one, "Isn't one of them that she doesn't? She's not judged at her boob job or something." <laughs> she says she's got. She gives three reasons. She never felt welcome there. Mm-hmm. It's such a boys' club. Oh, okay, yeah. And then, of course, uh, the the one that she tells to Michael. They displayed a pattern of disrespect and inappropriate oh. behaviors. Okay, I was fixated on when she's like, "No, no, no, this could work. I can. I'll be there when you come home from work." And you know, when she's talking to Michael. <laughs> yeah. Season five, episode four, baby shower. What is Jan's baby's name, and what is the name's origin? Astrid. Yes. And it's a Norse Viking princess? Yes, a Viking princess. Correct. Season seven. Your boy named Chevy. (laughs) Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Season seven, episode four, Sex Ed. Jan says, how do I do it? Then lists three examples of her accomplishments. Then says, if I knew, I'd tell you. What are the three accomplishments? 
well, she's she, one of us is about her new job. Like she works. Yes, she's working full time. There's something about her job. I don't, I, and this this has been trivia before. So do you do you remember what her new that job is? That doesn't make a difference. Medical <laughs> medical supplies, right? Yeah. She yes, director medical of supplies. office purchasing yeah. for the hospital. Okay, so yeah. that's she one. wrote a children's book or something. Close. She's like, I, she's released an album of I Doris Day covers on her own oh, label. That's ah, right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. And third is, yeah, third should yeah, be uh, raise a daughter. Um, okay. Okay, oh. and this is it. This is the last one here. Season seven, episode seventeen, Threat Level Midnight. What is Jan's character's name in Threat Level Midnight, and what message does she sing for Michael Scarn? They call me Jasmine Windsong. Correct. Isabella, I'll say follow to you. The prisoners oh, are uh, under the stadium. Hostages, hostages are under yeah. the stadium. Correct. The hostages yeah. are under the stadium. Uh, thank you. So great job, guys. And great job, Haley. Thank you so much, Haley, yes. for sending in this uh, a nice little bite-sized Jan Levinson trivia. Um, hearty bowl of jam. <laughs> <laughs> Start your day with a hearty bowl of jam. Well, she you, bought the milk. <laughs> <laughs> if you at home listening have uh, some trivia for us, please email it to us, MS Podcast. Yeah, that's plastic boob! <laughs> MS Podcast Company. Email us. MS Podcast Company at gmail.com. You can give us a call, 503-694-9314. Leave us a voicemail. We are now doing voicemail episodes, which is really fun. So uh, and we've been getting more and more voicemails. So that is super cool. Um, we love yeah, doing I got to figure out how to turn off Google alerts for that account. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you guys are blowing us up, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram. We're on Twitter at Michael Scott Pod. We have a website, michaelscottpod.com. And you can join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Scott. Uh, become a Scott's Tot. It's five bucks a month. You support the show. Um, you support a good cause. We've been uh, donating some of our funds to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund in an effort to uh, bring Michael Scott's dream to life. Um, so uh, we think it's really cool that we're all doing that together. Um, so thank you to our, our Patreon subscribers supporters um, last month really quick last month that was about 240 bucks we whoa. donated and we'd nice. like to I'd like to top that i'd like to keep that oh, going up definitely definitely and every month if you're if you're a michael scott subscriber on patreon uh every month you get a special scott's taught episode where we go through all the questions submitted on patreon um, so, uh, you get that like around the, usually around like the 15th or 17th of every month. Um, so that's really cool. Um, special thanks to Ryan Lloyd who helps us with our social media and designs our artwork. And, uh, this episode was recorded over video chat in Portland, Oregon. Uh, thank you as always for listening, especially if you made it this far to the episode. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, mm-hmm. spend a little time with us, talk about, uh, GSL, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> And uh, no, we, we really, truly appreciate everyone who listens, everyone who hangs out with us. So uh, take care. Uh, stay safe. And we'll see you next week. Pippity poppy, give me the zombie. Yes, yes sir. sir. This one's called Earthrise on the Moon. That's so beautiful.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.